Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Lots going on in the world. We're going to have our, uh, also we're going to have our uh, conversation, our weekly conversation with Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. He's got his new columns up over at Red State. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about media stories such as Donald Trump's lawsuit against CNN for defamation. We'll talk a little bit about the implications of that. We'll talk about media narratives and all sorts of different implications of that as well as the White House tries to worm its way out of taking credit for gas prices, which it's been doing for the last three months. The Washington Post today now reports that the Biden administration is going to argue that the presidents don't control gas prices because gas prices are going to be going up and they're going to be going up an awful lot. Why? Because oil prices are going to be going up. Janet Yellen warned about this several weeks back that this was going to be the case. And after three months of taking credit for uh, gas prices settling back down to a level that's still about 40% higher than uh, when Joe Biden took office. Now that gas prices are going to start ticking back up, the Washington Post reports that Biden and Democrats, the White House, are going to try to shift the blame back to the greedy oil companies. The greedy oil companies, who apparently weren't greedy over the summer, <laughs> but are greedy now. Um, the greedy gas station owners that were apparently not greedy over the summer, but are greedy now, were greedy before. Uh, this is all nonsense. This is the... Uh, it, it's simply the market economics of a completely incompetent energy policy, completely irresponsible energy policy, one that fantasizes that wind and solar are going to be reliable, consistent providers uh, that will uh, meet the energy needs of this country in uh, five to 10 years when it isn't even close to meeting energy um, needs now. It's a very small part of our energy picture. And it's not getting any bigger. Why? Because it's not terribly scalable. And there's all sorts of other issues with uh, with wind and solar that uh, that go into this. I mean, first off, the, the copper needed for this is enormous. And this is something that's finally starting to break through in terms of environmental concerns is that you're going to have to do a ton of copper mining in order to build the necessary uh, uh, generation uh, for wind and solar. Again, it's not scalable. You have to just keep building more, whereas natural gas, um, fossil fuel, uh, and, and especially nuclear energy is scalable in place. You can, you can just simply build more equipment on a single site and generate that power. This, uh, in, in those terms, wind and solar are very, very inefficient. Uh, because you just need to keep uh, adding more solar panels, requires a lot more copper to do that, requires a lot of uh, rare earth elements that we don't mine here in the United States. We'll be re more reliant on China for that. Um, and uh, I mean, this is, it's an absurd energy policy that we're pursuing and we're doing it on the basis that Joe Biden wants us to be um, rid of fossil fuels in five to 10 years, which is ridiculous. There, There is no, there is no realistic plan for that. There's no, scientific possibility that it will happen. And yet the Biden administration, instead of actually employing a reasonable uh, all-in energy policy, which includes wind and solar, uh, but also fossil fuels and just, you know, working on making them cleaner and, and more efficient to extract, 
They're just trying to exclude them altogether, which means that there's no investment in innovation in those areas, which means that we're not actually making any progress at all, environmentally speaking, and we're losing ground economically speaking. Uh, so the White House is going to try to shift blame for that because these price spikes apparently are going to happen before the midterms, which is kind of what we predicted too. Um, you know, we're heading into winter where heating oil is going to be much more necessary. They're going to have to process more heating oil out of the oil that we are uh, extracting and refining. Uh, and that is going to mean uh, smaller resources for other um, oil products, including uh, you know, gas for cars, electricity for, um, for homes. And we're going to be running, um, close to the bone, I think, in terms of refinery capacity for years and years to come. So until you fix those problems, this is what you get. And Joe Biden isn't interested in fixing those problems. He's interested in actually making them worse, uh, in order to score points with his green new deal pals. So that's one big thing that came up today. Another is what's going on in Ukraine. Um, the Russians are, and are presently annexing parts of the Ukraine that they're running away from. And I mean, the absurdity of this, I think is starting to not be lost on the Russian people. Newsweek has evidence, by the way, that, uh, Vladimir Putin's speech, um, on Friday and the speeches of people who were there with him were not as wildly received as first thought. There's some evidence Newsweek had this, um, earlier. There's some evidence, and I'm not sure, you know, how solid this is, but there's video, uh, there's independent video taken of that rally where you don't hear any of those wild cheers. In fact, it sounds like most of it fell pretty flat with the crowd who uh, clearly um, in the video doesn't seem to be terribly engaged. Now, whether that's representative or not, whether or not it just captured a different part of the crowd at that particular time, hard to say. Uh, but what is clear is that Putin's mobilization has basically mobilized Russian men to run out of Russia. Uh, they're crossing every border but the Ukraine one at the moment. And there's a good reason for that, because it looks like the border crossings in Ukraine are going to be clogged the other direction. Uh, there are uh, sudden acceleration and advances uh, in the in the Kherson uh, theater. It looks like uh, the, the Russian forces are getting pushed out and away from a very strategic town. They haven't lost it yet, uh, but you can see in ISW's maps that uh, Ukraine has made advances all along that line. It is not simply one particular thrust. They are making advances all along that line. And that line threatens to cut off Russian communications to Crimea, and which is you know the purpose of, of going after Kherson in the first place. Uh, they need to they need to cut off Crimea so that the Ukrainians can take it back after eight years. Uh, that was annexed, by the way, in, in 2014. That is probably not going to be uh, long in Russian hands, at least at the at the current pace of what's going on. Russia simply may not have much of an army left to hold any ground in Ukraine or anywhere else. And you're seeing this uh, with with the pullout of uh, Lyman. I'm pretty sure that that's how that's pronounced, but if it's not, I apologize, uh, which now threatens major rail hubs in places like Kremina and uh, uh, Svatova. Um, and the, the Kremina uh, rail hub is what supplies Lysychansk and Donetsk and uh, the city of Donetsk. Uh, I mean, if you look at the maps provided by uh, ISW, you see the rail lines, you see where they converge. 
and where they lead. And Ukrainians understand this. Russians understand this as well. They move their military on trains primarily rather than trucks because the roads are not um, reliable year round. So they need to use the rail uh, rail lines to move troops in and out. So that's part of their normal uh, lines of communication for their military. Well, right now you're starting to see the Ukrainians start to seize back uh, a lot of this train track. Uh, uh, Lyman, uh, they did it in Lyman. They did it in Kharkiv and you saw how far back the Russians had to fall back uh, when when they started seizing rail lines out there. Well, they're starting to do the same thing in uh, in Luhansk Oblast and um, and Donetsk Oblast, uh, Oblast. And that is that is a death knell for any Russian troops that haven't pulled out because at that point they'll be cut off. They, they won't be able to be relieved and the Ukrainians will eventually surround them into pockets and either annihilate them or force them to surrender. Um, and right now it's looking more like annihilation, although the, the Ukrainians are insisting that they will accept surrenders. Um, in fact, they're encouraging it. Uh, and with the, with the new, with the new uh, conscripts, conscripts, excuse me, um, they're actually advertising how to how to surrender to Ukrainian forces so that they don't get killed. Uh, this is it's a nice PSA. Not sure uh, whether the Chechens that are still somewhat behind the lines will allow them to do that. The, the Chechens have been the um, enforcer brigades to make sure that Russians uh, Russian soldiers don't flee the lines. Right now, though, they don't seem to have too much choice. Um, the Ukrainians are overrunning them. And Russia doesn't seem to have a response for that. So that's what's going on. Those are a couple of the topics I talked about. Talked a little bit about uh, Donald Trump's defamation lawsuit against CNN, which looks more like a public relations um, effort than a serious lawsuit for the simple fact that Donald Trump is both a public person, very public person, has been for decades, as well as a public official. And the bar is incredibly high. <laughs> Jonathan Turley explains this. Um, and so this looks like sort of a distraction campaign, um, and maybe a, maybe a way to generate some, uh, fundraising, but it comes at kind of a bad time for Republicans. And I talk about a little bit about that in my post. You may disagree and that's fine. If you're a VIP member, by the way, you can disagree in the comment sections and, uh, and, and join the discussion there. Other great stuff coming up today though, man. It's not just me. Uh, you know, uh, Jazz Shaw's got some great stuff up there. North Korea sent a missile through Japan's airspace. He's looking at that. Um, he's also looking at the, um, at the, you know, gaming out the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines or damaging uh, the Nord Stream pipelines. Good post up on that. Uh, he also handled some of the headlines today. So thanks very much for that. Uh, David Strom's got some great stuff up. Um, he's got a new post up as I'm speaking. Doctors Against Dissent Trans Edition. So, you know, check all this stuff out. We've got some great VIP content coming up. David's got a VIP uh, post coming up. Tom Jackson should be giving us a VIP post today, too, as well. VIP column from um, Tampa, Florida, uh, where he survived the the um, the hurricane, Hurricane Ian. Wrote about that last week, and I think we're going to get some more perspective from Tom on that. I haven't seen what his, what his column today is going to be, but I'm sure it's going to be a blockbuster. Um, and the Amiable Skeptics show was back up yesterday. I'll probably pop it up sometime today as well. Uh, and so be sure to check out our latest episode, Adam Baldwin and I, we talk about, um, fatherhood, uh, the efforts to destroy fatherhood as a, as an effort to destroy the family, as an effort to completely restructure society so that 
elite control is a lot more possible and why the family unit needs to be preserved and, and incentivized in culture, especially in Western culture that wants to retain its heritage. So be sure to look out for all of that. Coming up next, though, my chat with Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. Don't go anywhere. Stick around for my SRN commentary this week. You'll enjoy this and also how to subscribe to VIP and VIP Gold membership. Thanks for watching The Ed Morrissey Show. Welcome back to The Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining me as always on Tuesdays is the prince of Twitter. Maybe not the king of Twitter today, though. The <laughs> prince of Twitter, Andrew Malcolm, who you just saw on screen, by the way. And who's also got a couple of jokes for us at the end today. And he's also the regent of redstate.com. We're going to talk about his latest column for the VIP uh, members over at Red State. But, but Andrew, I gotta, we got to address the, uh, the breaking news first as we're talking we're finding out that Elon Musk is actually going to follow through on his original deal and buy Twitter shares at $54 a share and uh, and acquire it and take it private. Uh, uh, how, does this, how does this affect your, your, your status as Prince of Twitter? That's what we really need to know. Well, you know, I'll have to meet with the board on that. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a board of royalty that uh, that awards these titles. No, I don't know, but it, it really is kind of exciting. You think about a new day on Twitter um, and um, uh, probably it, if I could predict what's trending at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's definitely um, it, it's definitely Elon at the moment. And uh, in fact, they even halted um, trading of the, um, of the uh, shares uh, while, while this was going on, I'm just checking to make sure that, that this isn't, this hasn't been withdrawn or, you know, cause this has been right. rather volatile. I mean, we've been yeah. wondering how this was going to play out. It sounds to me though, that this is more or less a concession by Musk that he's, he's stuck with this deal, no matter what he wants to do. Um, you know, good news for us, maybe not necessarily great news for, for Musk, but it is at least, um, but it is at least, I think, good news for the rest of us. It is, and it's a it's an it's a way out of this stupid lawsuit that they both have. Yeah. Um, and you know, and he hasn't he hasn't done many things that were flops. So uh, I don't want to give him to. I don't know any. I don't know him personally at all. But. Uh, this, well, you know, like this may have been in the back of his mind all along. Uh, I guess the price, the price didn't come down as a result of his backing out and then coming back. But, but um, uh, anyway, it is it is exciting and 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 uh, suggests a, a new day on uh, what is my major social media anyway. And they don't dare. Uh, what what is the word? oust me they can't they can't oust me as they can't as, oust you as no. a prince no i guess they could delete me but they can't oust me <laughs> well i think actually the the likelihood of you getting deleted or or throttled or or suspended probably went down a lot today i mean people are already commenting that all of a sudden there seem to seem to be picking up followers again and that and that their tweets and retweets are 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 um 
are are having more um more having more reach so yeah. apparently the throttling has been throttled uh, once again because we saw this after the initial bid too right yeah. suddenly i started picking up a bunch of followers which i hadn't for months right uh, and and you know so not well, as many I lost at one point, point last year there were like 30 or 35,000 people over the course of a few nights that just disappeared from my followers list um and um it started back up but it's, it'll never get back up to where it was but maybe that was you know maybe that was bots i don't know but uh uh it is it is kind of exciting and fresh and there's there's not a a whole lot of i would say interesting news there's a whole lot of repetitive news on uh congress screwing around with the budget still and and uh russia and ukraine but yeah it it has some it has some promise uh for those of us who are in the social media anyway i think so i think that i think that taking this private is going to eliminate a lot of that um pressure that uh congress has put on for you know for speech control i don't think it's going to eliminate speech control i mean i think they're still going to try to keep out the porn and uh, keep out the you know the the um serious abuse but I do think that Musk taking over is going to do a couple of things. One is it's going to force um, a little bit more of the entrepreneurial model again on Twitter rather than the bureaucratic model, which is yeah, yeah. to be sort of the, you that's, know, the, that's very apt phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the second thing is that um, the accountability is going to increase, which means that their employers are going to be less likely to, to tinker with things behind the scenes for their own, for their own purposes. And, um, and I think that uh, that's a good thing for, for users. So I think Musk taking it over is a good thing for users. I have no idea personally, it's going to be good for Musk. I'm encouraged, however, uh, yeah. and I'm glad to hear that the Prince of Twitter is encouraged by this. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and if, if you think about it, I mean, he doesn't, everything Biden touches turns to something odoriferous, but uh, everything that musk has touched over time so you know so he takes a private so you know 10 12 years from now maybe he uh, takes it public and get a, a lot more than 54 dollars a share for it yeah who knows i mean you know the options are are wide open on this right you can do all sorts of different things with this um but i suspect that he'll hang on to it for quite a long period of time i don't think he's going to need to um generate capital which is generally the reason why you why you do ipos is to just generate capital for something he's he's got capital he wants to go to mars he does want to go to mars yeah twitter on mars there you go you know little twitter bird bouncing around on mars uh, you know, the other thing that, you know, you, you said that, you know, everything Elon Musk uh, touches generally turns to gold. Didn't with Ukraine. <laughs> we saw this exchange over the last couple of days, but Elon uh, Musk proposed a peace settlement and man, Ukraine was not having it at all. Yeah, um, yeah, he wanted, he wanted Ukraine to trade land for peace and, and Ukraine was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, they're they're feeling pretty good now, and uh, and actually, you know, if you're in the, if you're in the Ukraine cheering section, uh, yeah. like I am, you, uh, you do, yeah, um, 
and so yeah he could he could to my mind stay out of the the politics uh part of it uh but uh, didn't he open up um what is his satellites he opened his satellites yeah up and then... yeah uh starlink and it's starlink i think it's starlink is 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 his uh satellite business and he sent a bunch of starlink equipment um or whatever it is, I, I have to. I, I'll, I'll double check that because Starlink might be the the auto, uh, <laughs> might be the the auto service I'm thinking of. Yeah. That might be Subarus. That might be Subarus. I I I drive Subarus. You know, I'm Subarus for, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so so that may be Subarus service. Um, uh, I will I will double check that. But yes, he sent a bunch. I mean, he, he shipped a ton of stuff over to Ukraine and, and reposition satellites so that Ukraine could use his um, internet service to coordinate its military communications and also its humanitarian uh, coordination too. So um, it's not as though he's, you know, uh, a, a Russian, you know, a crypto Russian Putin supporter or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy who's, who's a dabbler and he figured, well, I'll just dabble in diplomacy here. And, uh, you know, it didn't, didn't work out too well but uh but yeah starlink no i was right the first time starlink i feel huh. i feel better now because <laughs> i as soon as i said starlink i think isn't it isn't that my oh. subaru service what is there, there's, there is a something link was it gm products that uh where if you're in a crash it says are you okay i think that's huh. uh onstar oh onstar i think gm's is onstar and um yeah subaru's is something star something it might not it's yeah. probably not starlink but it's star something or other so yeah i'm confused <laughs> but 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 ed subaru users they hardly ever need service right it's true you know i actually i've never had to use it but then again you know i'm leasing so i'm only holding on to these cars for three years <laughs> back anyway i've never had a problem um i've never had a problem with them that was mechanic uh, you know mechanic oriented i i had a problem with my previous car um, only briefly with the tires remaining inflated. And it's because when I moved to Texas, I found out you actually have to increase the tire pressure on these things in order for it to work right. You know, really? you, yeah, you don't want to overinflate in Minnesota because in cold weather, it can create some problems. And apparently really? down here, they like to keep them pumped up a little, a little higher. Oh. So the light kept coming up on my dashboard and I'd had a, I, I didn't have a flat, but I had a leak in one tire and I got the tire repaired. You know, it was like, 17 bucks or something and like it still that. came on and it's it kept coming on and coming on and i took it into the shop they said well all your tires are low <laughs> it's not just the one tire it's all your tires are low it's like he says did you even check them i was like yeah they were all like around 31 32 psi he says no no no, no. you have to have it around 37 38 psi you get Is it down right? to 32 and the light comes on yeah yeah uh, whatever whatever yeah that's fun that's that's interesting to know uh yeah well um but it's yeah, interesting I, to I know like... that i'm an idiot uh when it comes to tire pressure i think that's interesting to know as well andrew so i'm glad you i'm glad you found that interesting <laughs> <laughs> well subaru people have to stick together we, we do uh, we my, together. my wife has been a big fan of subaru and she got a subaru and then we were moving here and decided that uh, to get uh, to get me a Subaru, and there are no Subarus used. Everyone hangs on to them until they're yeah. until they're buried in uh, scrap metal. Um, 
so we just kept her old one so did they actually cut me a deal to cut my my lease off early so to get me a new one at what is actually a lower monthly price so they could get my used one which was really oh. interesting yeah because they, they make a they make a huge killing they make a, they're making a killing on unused vehicles. So they actually yeah, offer. I lived, I lived in a small town in Montana and I had an ancient Ford Bronco and we traded it in on something and we got $700. And a month or so later, I saw it on the streets and I went up and I asked the guy how much it was. It was, he paid 3000 for it. Wow. So the wow. guy made the guy. I don't know if he fixed anything on it, but he made twenty three hundred bucks on one trade in a used car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, car car talk aside, because I'm 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 not a, I'm not a car guy. I just know what I like and I know what works for me. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Donald Trump's uh, lawsuit against CNN. Now you've worked in media for for many many years. Um, it's almost impossible for a public figure, let alone a public official, yeah. to sue a media outlet, even if the reporting is crappy, which often it is at CNN. It, you just, that's not the way the American legal system is set up. It's set up to allow for robust commentary on even with even with newspapers, even with cable, you know, cable outlets, and maybe even these days, especially with cable outlets. I mean, is do you see this as 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 a as a legit effort? Do you see this as a brushback pitch, uh, or do you see this as more or less as a, you know a distraction campaign? Yeah, I I think it's a waste of time. First of all, yeah. and and uh, second of all, um, yeah, I think it's a stunt. It's a political stunt. Four hundred and fifty-four million or something. Is that what it is? There's a four hundred seventy-five million. Yeah. 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 Well, because of the New York Times and the lawsuit with Bull O'Connor in Mississippi, um, I think it's Mississippi, maybe it was Alabama, but um, where the Supreme Court ruled years ago that uh, being wrong wasn't good enough. You had to prove they knew it was wrong when right. they published it. And uh, that is a very high hurdle. Um, and, um, so you're that's for, need... for public figures. So yeah, for, for public instance, figure. with, yeah, yeah. For, for, for instance, when Nick Sandman sued CNN plus a whole lot of other outlets, he didn't have to, he didn't have to hit that, bur uh, that burden because as a private person, as a non-public person, the bar is lower on defamation. Um, but as a public person, and especially as a public figure, you're talking about Sullivan is the, is the court case that yeah. you're talking about. And there's, there's a couple of others that Jonathan Turley talks about too, which for public figure, uh, public officials, public figures, um, the bar is even higher. Um, and it's not just actual malice, but I mean, it's, it's sort of actual malice plus, I guess, yeah. if, you, if you're looking at Turley's explanation of this. And there's a good reason for that, right? It's because we want to make sure that people can talk about public figures and especially public officials and criticize them. Uh, even if people are wrong about it, even if people are nasty about it, um, the value of the debate is is greater than the yeah. than than whatever you know reputational damage a public a, a public official 
ends up taking over it. Right. And, you know, it's the old, the old saw about uh, why, the, why the mafia didn't sue and doesn't sue newspapers for being called the mob. <laughs> uh, there's things that come out uh, when you, um, uh, that you'd rather not come out <clears throat> if you're um, somebody suing like that. So right. um, I have to think that, that it's a stunt uh, to keep, well, to keep Trump in the news, uh, but to also uh, feed his um, fans that uh, once again, he was uh, maligned and, and screwed and so were they. Uh, and it's it's us and them, uh, you know. It's amazing. This is not on the on the lawsuit, but um, I'm on a lot of fundraising lists. Holy smokes, it! I probably get twenty five or thirty from Trump every day, every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got so many merchandising gimmicks going on, and that he may not want to run for office. He makes so much more money on the side as a as a fundraiser and he's right. not he hasn't been doling out a lot of money to candidates uh, so i think he gave some money to the mark meadows uh, outfit but um so he must be building up uh building up quite a stash there um and and i mean it, it's every fundraising ploy you can think of you know New hats, new shirts, uh, dinner with Trump, um, lottery dinner, uh, medals, uh, buying us a, a brick on the on the Trump Walk of Honor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's it, it, just so many ways that that they're trying to get money from people. It's 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 distracting because right. it, it, you you think, well, wait a minute, what for what you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that raises a good question, too, is if he's pursuing these types of things, how serious can he be about, you know, running for office and, in, in, you know, next year, if he's if he's got all these different things, you know, irons in the fire. Um, yeah. It's, and, and will he get back on Twitter? <laughs> you know, with with well, he can't really now because Truth Social is his platform and that's where people are going to hear from him, right? Is Truth Social. So well, uh, my yeah, guess is no, he didn't go back. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Uh, Musk was was not going to buy it either and he changed his mind. So, oh, um, um, so yeah, well, it, I mean, it's it's refreshing and, we, and we've been so deluged, it seems to me, for the last several months with the same old, same old. Oh my God! The price of gas, inflation—it's uh, all bad. And then Biden saying it isn't. I said, what? Wait, wait. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, this th to me, I mean, this was sort of big news. I want to get to your column here, so I don't want to run out of time before we get to that. But the Washington Post is saying, well, Democrats in in the White House are going to are going to launch a new campaign to blame oil companies for gas prices. And, you know, Andrew, the, the last three months, I've been trying to give Joe Biden credit for the gas prices. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. But it, you, you, it's, it's one of two things. Either they are so stupid that they don't remember what they've been saying for three months, which that's scary to think about. 
Um, or it's just Joseph Goebbels' big lie. If you tell it enough, people will believe it. Uh, yeah. And it just, I, the, the Putin gas hike, that didn't work. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. And nobody is, nobody does anything about this guy is incompetent. You know, right. you, you see him over the weekend and he's wandering off the stage again and, and, uh, uh, and where's Jill Jackie? That the, where's Jackie? Oh, where's man. Jackie? Where's Jackie? Yeah. She's six feet under Joe. Or and has remember, been for a while. Yeah. Remember the, the 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 um the meme on, about uh, Star Trek with um, with the doctor uh looking up from the floor saying he's dead Jim <laughs> no he's I didn't Jim. see that I didn't oh, see there's that. a meme this is where they put together all the times that the doctor says he's dead Jim he's dead Jim <laughs> he's dead Jim she's dead Joe she's dead Joe uh, yeah that's it's bad but I mean the the, the whole all of a sudden, Joe Biden's no longer in control of the gas prices thing. I mean, this is really. <laughs> and, you know, the media is going to follow through on this. I mean, oh, I mean yeah. the media is gonna make it all about gas station owners and and Vladimir Putin and and the corporations, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the man, the man. It's the, it's the man, man. It's yeah. the man. All know, right. Those Republicans just want to take all your money. Well, we got to get we got to get to your your okay, VIP column over at Red State. You know, we got to yeah. talk a little bit about this because there was an anniversary this week. I was actually not really aware of this. Um, and it wasn't just my 19th blog anniversary, by the way, which was oh. actually on Sunday. My 19th wow. anniversary of being a blogger is, was on 19th. Sunday. Let's see. What is mine? Seven, seven, 14. I'm 14. I'm, I'm way behind you. Captain's well, quarters. Only, only. Only in that measure, <laughs> way behind me. Only in that measure, um, but uh, but I mean, there was a bigger history. There was a bigger. Uh, There's a bigger uh, anniversary this week, which was uh, televised presidential debates, and I didn't yeah. realize that. I mean, I guess I, if I thought about it, I would have realized it. But um, well, you know, yeah. they've they've kind of people don't study history anymore, and the younger people they don't care. But the reality is. Our politics were changed fundamentally that night, that autumn night in 1960, when Richard Nixon met John F. Kennedy. And I lived out the, the difference and the impact. I was in a social room in a prep school. It was very noisy. There was only one TV, black and white, and I, I got access to it because American Bandstand was over. Um, and I was crouching near the side. So I heard the debate and I knew Richard Nixon had won. I didn't see the debate and John Kennedy had won. And right. that shows the difference of the power of television. Uh, it makes these debates about how things look uh, and not about the content. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, we're not going to change it. Now, Richard Nixon. Right. He learned his lesson, and in um, 68 and 72, he refused to debate. Uh, but we've had them every uh, leap year since uh, for the presidential contests. Uh, now, the Republicans, I guess, are 
uh, grumbling about maybe they won't participate in 2024 because the moderators are always so slanted. And they're absolutely right. They are. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. One, I don't know why it has to be media. And I don't know why, if it is media, why they can't be professional and ask uh, uh, tough questions both ways, but they don't. Um, and it's gotcha, it's only gotcha one way. Uh, yep. So, um, but uh, it changed the politics to, um, uh, to appearances. And we have these rehearsed one-liners. I mean, people think that candidates standing up there coming in with these zingers uh, they didn't just think that up. They rehearsed it beforehand. These things are, they're not scripted, but they're choreographed. Um, and um, um, they should have taken George H.W. Bush's watch off his wrist because see a couple of times he's going like this, which of course yep. tells you I want out of here. <clears throat> and it may not be, you know, it may be him looking and saying, how much time do I have to make this point? But it doesn't matter. It's how it looks, not right. what it really is. Uh, and if you think about, if you read the transcripts of debates or listen to them even, they have very little to do with being president. Absolutely yeah, not. I agree. Tell us, sir, uh, how are we going to avoid nuclear war with Russia? You have 60 seconds. Well, I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's all cosmetic. Uh, and um, <clears throat> presumably they have rehearsed 60 second answers to pretty much every anticipated question. Uh, and remember, as I mentioned in the column, uh, Barack Obama took five or six months to decide he was going to surge 50,000 troops into Afghanistan. So it's not like, uh, Mr. President, you have to have a troop surge, you have uh, 90 seconds, and then we'll have these important messages. I, it's, it, it's it, the debates, they're showbiz, you know, I mean, it's right. a form, it's a form of reality TV, which is, I guess, good TV, but it, it bears no resemblance to what's really important about being the president. Yeah, and I've talked about that a lot. I mean, I've written about that a lot about how this is game show, especially in the primaries where you've got yeah, game show and different eight or 10 different candidates up on the stage. You know, in the, in the general election, when there's only two people up there or occasionally it's been three, right? When Perot ran, for instance, yeah. three people on stage. Um, you can make that work. I don't think it's, I still don't think that it's terribly substantive. I think it's mostly zingers and one-liners and uh very little of substance actually comes glib, out of yeah, glib glib is high value glib glib yeah um but i but at least it's possible in that format but when you have 8 10 12 different people on stage it's ridiculous you can't there's no possible way you're going to get to anything of substance with that many people on stage who you've got to make sure that you spread the time around in a 2 hour in a two hour format, I mean, if you have 10 people on stage and you've got 120 minutes yeah. and then you have to take out the commercials, I mean, plus you've got the, the moderators who are going to gas on forever in, in their <laughs> Gas on. Yeah. I mean, each of those people is probably has like six minutes in two hours to talk about their stuff, talk about all no, of the different you, issues. Exactly. Are gonna come up. You just get a feel for them, which yeah. I agree is important. Um, and they, what are they likable? Um, 
for instance, I, I didn't know anything about Tulsi Gabbard, but watching her in the debates, I kind of liked her. She was fresh. And what was the other, Marianne Williamson? She Marianne had some Williamson, interesting yeah. things to say. Andrew Yang made it. I once, <clears throat> it was a primary, Republican primary debate in Iowa. And I was backstage with uh, George W. Bush and uh, Alan Keyes was there. Remember Alan Keyes? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Alan, Alan Keyes. Keyes, I remember Alan Keyes Alan, very well. Alan, Alan Keyes was the one who, uh, what did he, he got, what, 20% of the vote against Barack Obama in the 2004 Senate election? Yeah. Something like um, well, yeah, I mean, that's A, Illinois, B, last minute guy, because uh, what was yeah, his because name? of Fitzsimmons um, or whatever his name was. No, his name was Ryan. Ryan. It Ryan, because his wife's name was Jerry Ryan, and that was um, uh, Jack okay. Ryan. His name was Jack Ryan. It came out yeah, that he had, it's, it's out of a, a Ludlum novel. Uh, yeah, Jack it came Ryan. out of the divorce. Somebody in the team Obama yeah. was able to crack the crack the imagine, files. Imagine that yeah. a judge, a judge somehow allowed documents to be leaked. Yeah. Um, I anyway, I was backstage in was it 1999, 2000, and I asked Alan Keyes, um, "Do you think uh, you know that you you have a chance here in Iowa?" And he said, no, of course not. And I said, why, why are you doing this? And he said, are you kidding? This will jack up my speaking fees for two years. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, maybe I should, maybe I should run for, maybe I should run for president. I don't have speaking fees, by the way. <laughs> I was in New Hampshire. Remember Gary Bauer? Remember him? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Family council also, right? Or I don't know if he yeah. was family council, but it was one of those outfits on, um, you know. Well, they uh, have these stages. Conservatives. Uh, and it wasn't a debate, but it was a, a media a forum. appearance. Of, yeah. A forum. And, and he got all excited and was moving around. And there's, it's, there's no wall behind them. It's just a curtain. And he fell off the stage. Uh, remember? He fell off yeah. the stage. It was a like a six or eight foot drop it was a big bang and i was standing right there he fell down right in front of me <laughs> yeah uh family research council gary bauer yeah. was, uh, was president of family research council he was also um he was also a um uh official in the reagan administration i worked in um he was under secretary of uh education in Reagan's administration so yeah well, one of the things i learned seeing these folks behind the scenes at debates and elsewhere was um, I came to have a real sympathy. I, I don't necessarily like them all, but uh, real sympathy. These are people who are basically offering themselves. Now, yes, I right. know. Yeah, I know there's ego and there's finances and all this stuff is involved, but it takes something of yourself to go in, in front of people and say, I'd like to work for you. And can I have your vote? And I agree. And that's one of the things in campaigning that you actually physically have to do. Yep. Can I have I I want I'm here because I want you. You have to say that. It's not just I'm here because I'm a good guy and I patted your kid on the head. That's uh, right. Uh, and uh, uh, so I I came away with a real sympathy for people, even if you don't like them, for offering themselves. Now I know you know uh, Bernie gets uh, an extra house every time he runs, but. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's yeah it, it's it still take, it, it takes it, something yeah to offer yeah. yourselves and we and we and we make fun of them 
which of course perfectly free to do. Uh, but if if they didn't, if there wasn't a field, we wouldn't have any choice. Uh, That's true. So, uh, so well, and, yep. All right. To compare them. That doesn't All mean right. we should get 475 million from CNN, though. So um, to, no, to no. keep it back around to one of our other discussions. <laughs> but but we've already gone over that. What we need now are the jokes of the week because it's going to be a long week ahead, and we're going to need some jokes to get us through it. Well, Andrew. these are all these are all replays. It. Um, um, let's see. Um, uh, well, Conan O'Brien, he says, uh, here's some depressing news over Hallmark's new line of recession-themed greeting cards. Sorry you lost your job. They're printed in China. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the Saturday Night Live's uh, new grandmother, Hillary Clinton, said she couldn't be happier about daughter Chelsea's new baby unless the baby was a Latina in a swing state. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I just I love this one because this is so true about TV interview shows. Conan O'Brien said Larry King was interviewing Iran's Ahmadinejad, um, who said that his nuclear program is for peaceful use only. And Larry said, "Okay, uh, and who's your famous? Uh, who's your favorite Jonas brother?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is a, this is a true story. Catherine Crosby. I guess she's passed now, but uh, Bing Crosby's widow right. in San Francisco, she had her own morning talk show, like the Today Show, and she would have guests on. And she didn't know anything about interviewing, but they gave her, the staff gave her a list of questions. She was focused on changing the bouquet of flowers every 15 minutes on the table in front. But she asked one of the astronauts, this is a true story. She asked one of the astronauts, you know, what is it really like? She's looking at her notes. What is it really like to go into space? And he said, well, Catherine, it's really an amazing experience. You're sitting there atop the rocket, weighs millions of pounds, the result of the work of hundreds of thousands of Americans. And suddenly there's a controlled explosions behind you and you're thrust into space for a minute and a half and then there's silence and you turn over and there's earth this beautiful blue orb in the blackness of space it's it's very a uh, humbling experience and mm. she looked at her notes and she said uh-huh and does your wife work outside the home <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the reason why that, i don't like this is the reason why i don't like to draft questions for interviews though yeah, is right, you don't listen they, that's right i mean me, me personally i've, I've tried it, it doesn't and larry work. king did that well of course larry king also said i don't read the books because i want to ask the questions that listeners would ask right but but uh yeah no you're right larry king had went completely and it worked it worked I like conversations, you know, yes. and the problem when you're working off of a list of questions is you ask a question and you're not listening to the answer and you don't react. You're <laughs> trying to figure out how to ask the next question. And, and Ed, Ed, does your wife work outside the home? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. She works enough inside the home to, you know, I for, know, I for know. two different people. So, you know, and that's her choice, by the way. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Good, good follow-up question, though, Andrew. All right. If you want more of Andrew Andrew Malcolm's wit, you go to redstate.com, um, where he is the regent of Red State. 
but he's also the prince of Twitter at A.H. Malcolm. He's here every single Tuesday unless Elon orders him not to be. We'll see how that works. Under new management, right. New management. Prince, the prince of a new Twitter, perhaps. We'll see. We'll see if this goes through this time. Maybe I could be a duke. No, no, no. Duke's a demotion. Is it? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Print you got princes and you got dukes. Dukes are oh, okay. sometimes right. the, sometimes the same thing, right? Because well, yeah, I don't want to. Well, I don't want a demotion. I need I need prince, 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 prince consort. No, that no. no, 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 no. You just want to be prince. Yeah, no, prince, no, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, no. So, the prince of Twitter. <laughs> end of story. Andrew Malcolm, thanks for being with us this week. Thank you, Ed. See you next week, everybody. See you next week and stay tuned for my editorial for uh, Town Hall and SRN News coming up next. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. Forget the polls for now. If you want to know how the election cycle is going for Democrats, just read the Washington Post report on their new strategy for the midterms. Democrats are not talking about any accomplishments and have instead adopted a dark midterm message focusing on a supposed Republican dystopia. Many of you will remember... Joe Biden set this course with his soulless demagoguery of Republicans in August at Independence Hall. Now, his party is picking up on those same dark themes as we press toward the election. With their only accomplishments being inflation, lost buying power, higher crime, and a massive border crisis, it's no wonder Biden and his team want to talk about anything but themselves. The problem is, voters can't afford Biden's darkness any longer. I'm Ed Morrissey. Thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and through the Town Hall Media Player, or you can just come to hotair.com and watch my podcast for free. However, I'd also love to have you join us as members of our VIP and VIP Gold programs. That allows us to defeat the stranglehold that big tech has on information and get you the best information that we possibly can. Plus, we have a lot of new value-added content coming to us from Town Hall Media uh, stars and my good friend Adam Baldwin. He and I are doing the video series, The Amiable Skeptics. It's one hour of discussion a week strictly for our VIP and VIP Gold members. Plus, we have our VIP Gold Chat with Kem Edwards every Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. We'd love to have you as members. Be sure to join up. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast.